Dig a Bit, a podcast for women who want to dig into the meat of God's Word for a bit. We are glad you have taken a few minutes out of your day to listen. Our host is Cindy Colley from thecolleyhouse.org. Now grab your Bible and let's dig in. Good morning. I would like to talk for this fourth Dig a Bit in our Comfort Study, Chapter 1, about another one of the scenarios in, in the Corinthian church that we said could possibly have happened, something like it probably did happen at times. And that is the one that is, it's letter I, if you have either the book or the download. And it says there, what if your husband, you're in the Corinthian church, you're a woman, and your husband becomes angry, either a Christian husband or a non-Christian husband, becomes angry when the letter of 1 Corinthians was read aloud in the assembly. What if he stormed out and said, who does this Paul think he is anyway? Telling us over here in the cultured part of the world how to assimilate in this Greek society. Well, Paul is noting here that his apostleship is being challenged we see this in the first Corinthian letter, in the second Corinthian letter. It was being challenged in Galatia. And I'm sure that his apostleship was being challenged because he was the latecomer. He was the one who saw Jesus on the road to Damascus rather than being involved in the ministry of Jesus throughout the lifetime of Jesus. Because during the lifetime of Jesus, Paul was quite young and he was likely during that time learning at the feet of Gamaliel. And so his involvement in persecuting the Christians came in Acts 7 and 8, right through there when he was holding the garments of Stephen while they were throwing rocks at Stephen. And then, of course, on the road to Damascus, he had the, um, the light and the appearance of Jesus and the question, why are you kicking against the pricks? And at that point, he believed, and he was told that he must go to the city, and there he would be told the things that he should do to be saved. And so his actual witness of Jesus was later, and thus people were putting that together. Well, you weren't even with Jesus. You weren't even living among the apostles when Jesus was on the earth. And so they were challenging. People were challenging the apostleship of Paul. So this could be, this probably was a real scenario in the church at Corinth that some people were angry that Paul was trying to tell them what to do. After all, we live in this cultured part of the world. Paul's not even familiar very much with this culture, having grown up um, at the feet of Gamaliel in Judea. He doesn't know what he's even talking about. He doesn't have the right to tell us what to do. Um, and perhaps there were no elders in the congregation at Corinth. This is the part that I really wanted to correct from the video podcast that we had. I said that there, I think I said that there were probably no elders there because Acts 14 is when the decision was made to establish elders in every church. That was in 48 and 49 AD. And so the first Corinthian letter was written a little bit later than that. So it is very possible that there could have been elders in the Corinthian church. 
Maybe not, though, because the Corinthian church seemed to be very immature. It seems to me that an eldership there would have been respected had it been appointed by Paul and his sons in the faith. It seems to me that it would have been a respected eldership. And here it does appear that the Corinthian church was just kind of going chaotic in several directions. So perhaps there were no official elders in the church at Corinth. There were some wise men. We know that Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus are mentioned at the very end. And we know that the household of Stephanus was addicted to the ministry. It just seems like if Stephanus had believing children, that he being addicted to the ministry would have met at least many of the qualifications of of an elder. But we don't know that he was one or that he ever became an elder. We just don't know if there were elders in the church at Corinth at the time of the writing of the first epistle. So what would you do if you didn't have the option of going to the elders and saying, how can you help me make my husband understand that Paul is a genuine apostle? And how can you help me to calm him down? Will you talk to him? Maybe you would have that option, but maybe not. So what does the Bible say about a woman who is living with a husband who is not behaving according to the standard of Christ, his attitude and his behavior, his outward behavior is not according to the principles of Christianity. Well, the Bible does speak to that, of course, in First Peter 3. We turn to that passage often when we're speaking about wives who are in difficult situations at home. And it says, wives, be subject to your own husbands, that if any of those, those husbands are not obeying the word, they may, without the word, be won over by the behavior of the wives, while they behold your chaste behavior coupled with fear, that is, reverence, respect, whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting the hair, of wearing of gold, and of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, a gentle spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. So here in this situation, you would have a husband who was definitely, wow, almost, it's, it's really on the edge of blasphemy when you have an apostle who is able to pass along the gifts, who is um, doing so much for the kingdom through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And then you have a man who says, don't listen to him. Well, really, he's up on the edge of saying, he is saying, don't listen to the Holy Spirit. So we have a real behavior problem here on the part of the man. But it says, if your husband is not believing, and that would be a category of a husband who is not obeying the word, then he might be won over by your gentle, quiet, sexually clean behavior. 
you be sure that you are above reproach and that you are respectful of your husband in every area and obedient to your husband in every area that is possible for you to be obedient and still be obeying Christ. And goes on to say, just like in the old times, the holy women who trusted in God adorned themselves with meek and quiet spirits, it's speaking, being in subjection to their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, as long as you are doing well and are not afraid with any amazement. Likewise, husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered, and be all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be full of pity, be tender-hearted, be humble-minded, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing. So we're going to say this husband is railing. He's angry, but you're not going to give him that back. You're going to give him blessing, knowing that you are there unto call that you should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. You're not going to bark back at your husband who is very angry about the words of the apostle, which are really the words of the Holy Spirit. You are going to treat him because he's your husband with kindness, with reverence, with gentleness, with quietness. You're not going to compromise your obedience to the Holy Spirit through the epistle that Paul has given, but you are going to quietly go about your business respecting your husband and doing good for him. So were there elders? I kind of doubt there were elders. There could have been because 1 Corinthians was written after that admonition in Acts 14 to establish elders in all the churches. There could have been. But it seems like the maturity level of the Corinthian church was so, uh, well, really non-existent. So it seems like that there may not have been elders. Of course, if there were elders, then taking this problem to them while you are exhibiting a meek and quiet spirit would have been a good idea. In our local discussion, there were a couple of questions where I said, uh, for instance, the one who the the question that asked, "What would you do if the person sitting beside you during the Lord's Supper was having a par- making a party out of it, was making it a common meal and talking and laughing during the Lord's Supper rather than discerning the Lord's body?" Well, you would go to that person in private, of course. But for the moment, if you had your children sitting there beside someone who was making fun of and mocking, really, the communion of the Lord, the body and blood of the Lord, you'd move to a different place, wouldn't you? And then we said, I think I would go to Stephanus, who is addicted to the ministry, and say, will you help us? Will you help us plan uh, some sort of class, some sort of Bible study where we can talk about the sacred nature of the Lord's Supper, of the communion. Maybe I'd go to Stephanus. He was addicted to the ministry. He was one of the, he was the uh, first fruits of Achaia, which means he was one of the first converts. Go to him and say, Stephanus, can you help me? Can you help me solve this problem? 
because he would have some wisdom that perhaps some of those who were reviling, really not discerning the Lord's body, eating and drinking damnation to themselves, 1 Corinthians 11, he'd have some insight into that and he might be able to help you there. And maybe you would even want to ask Stephanus, who was going to deliver some information to Paul. Maybe you would say, can we ask Paul how to make this better? Just ideas to make the Corinthian church what it really was, a real body of believers with real difficulties in a world that was completely pagan, idolatrous, and given over to immorality in every sexual realm that we can think of. So, wanted to first of all say that uh, I think I got that backwards. It may be in the video podcast. The establishment of elders seems to have been solidified at least in Acts 14, which is um, in 48 or 49 A.D., And the first Corinthian letter seems to have been written in 53 or 54 AD, about four or five years later, after that admonition to establish elders. So there you go. And I hope that we enjoyed, I did, the study of Corinth and the baby Corinthian church. And I know that I said this on the video podcast that it doesn't seem very comforting to read through the book of 1 Corinthians because there was problem after problem after problem. Well, someone wrote in last night, and I thought this was interesting. She said, this made me feel better because I could see real people in a real church with multiple problems. And she said, I feel like that's where I am today. I feel like I'm living in a in a Corinth today in the immorality of the world around me. And the fact that these people were being taught by the apostle how to deal in a society like that made me feel very comforted. We're going to find more comfort as we move on to our basic text for this year. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. couple of things. Thank you for joining the video podcast. If you didn't get a chance to join live, go watch it on the archives if you get a chance. The other thing is there is still some room in our trip that leaves in about a month to go to Israel and to Rome. We're going to be talking about the comfort, the things that comforted Paul from the Bible lands in our podcast, which happens on November 7th. And that's at 8 a.m. Central Standard Time, live from the shores of the Sea of Galilee. So be watching for that. Be sure that you put any questions that you might have or Even if it's questions about procedure, logistics of getting the study done, put those on the Digging Deep in God's Word page. If you have prayer requests, be sure to join the Digging Deep in Digging Deep for Encouragement page. And that's the page where we pray for the needs of one another physically and spiritually. So be sure that you notice that. If you are going to Israel, 
let me know in some way if you want uh digging deep for Israel t-shirt not sure about the price of those yet just trying to to hopefully get um a number so I can find out if we can afford to get those made so working on that if you are going to Israel there are two groups that you should be in there's a Facebook group called Digging Deep in Israel where lots of pictures and information is posted for the last trip that we took. There's a new group called Digging Deep in Israel Rome and Rome maybe administered by Carla Moore where she will answer questions about this coming trip that we are about to make. So it'd be good if you could be in both of those if you are going to Israel. Just be sure that if you do get a chance, you go and listen to the video podcast. Join us for the next podcast on November the 7th. And we will be, I think we will find that our First Samuel 25 comfort, like Abigail told David, you are in the bundle of the living and God will protect you there. I want to be in the bundle of the living. And I think that our sense of that comfort will increase as we go throughout this study. I'm grateful for your encouragement, which is coming in many ways. I ask you to pray for our family as my husband lost his father yesterday morning. And we are going to be traveling for that funeral as well as for some more things that are difficult for our family right now. So if you can keep our family in your prayers, that'd be, that'd be a special blessing for me. And I hope you have a great day.